0: You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? All right, good. I'm glad that that got some response because I'm pretty energized this morning. Ready to get after it? Uh uh oh, that's—I think that's what I heard. Uh oh. Well, grab a Bible if you have one. Um, If you don't, there are some Bibles in the aisles or along the outsides. Um, We'd love you to hold the Word of God in your hand. Um, If you're visiting us, thanks for being here. Uh, We want to welcome you into our family. Um, I know that it's really difficult sometimes to find a church um, and a church family to worship with. So um, we don't take that lightly, and uh, we're so appreciative that you're here. Um, We want you to feel welcome. So. We're going to be jumping in. We're in the middle of a series called Every One. And, and here's kind of the overarching objective of this series. I think that uh, as people who, um, one, would be confident enough to step foot inside of a church, two, that hopefully would profess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, we believe that God has given every single one of us a story, a story to share with the world around us. We've all been um, invited by God to be in relationship with him, and then to share that relationship that we have with God with others, to have the joy that we have. Like, we we enjoy sharing things with people, right? We share what we enjoy, but we only enjoy the things that we experience. So I could tell you some facts about Italy, but I guarantee you my stories would have a lot more oomph and excitement if I actually went to Italy and experienced Italy for myself. And that's the same thing with, with the gospel of Jesus. Is that we share Jesus if we enjoy Jesus. But we can only enjoy Jesus if we experience him, if we have a relationship with him, if we know him. Right? Just like I can share a bunch of facts about a sports player, right? The Olympics. Who's been watching the Olympics? Right? Yeah. So they've been fun to watch, and I can share some stats about some of the sports teams. But there's nothing like knowing the people on the team personally, intimately, in real life, as opposed to just on the TV. Same thing with the gospel, same thing with Jesus, same thing with the Bible. We want to share the good news of Jesus because we've experienced him and we know him. And so the objective of this series is to see our story in light of the gospel, in light of what Jesus has done. Jesus lived a life that you and I couldn't live. Perfect, holy, blameless. And then he was murdered because people thought he was blaspheming. They thought he was a threat to the kingdoms that were being built on earth. But three days later, what we believe is that he rose again. Now, we can look at the secular world and say that they too would believe that Jesus existed. The secular world would say that. History would say that. There was a person, a man named Jesus that walked the earth, that did incredible things that nobody can explain. In fact, Google, if you Google most influential person or leader of all time, Jesus would be at the top of the list. So he was a real person. Do you believe that he died a death for you, for me, and that he didn't stay dead, but he actually rose again and had life in his lungs and in his body, body, and then invited you to believe in him? as your Lord and your Savior. Savior meaning forgiveness for your sins, but Lord meaning the ruler, the king of your life. So to see my story in light of the gospel, to understand that my story matters, I think often we belittle our story. Often we think that our story may be insignificant, or it doesn't really matter, or it can't relate to the people around us. But to see that every single story matters, every story in the Bible, about every single person in the Bible, it points to Jesus. Think about that. Every story that you read, front to back, points to Jesus. And so does your story. It points to Jesus. And the last thing is that my story is a part of God's mission to seek and save the lost. So there's a theme verse that we have. It's 1 Peter 2.9. And it says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. A people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So here's what we see here we see kingdom language. Now, we don't use kingdom language here in America, right? Everything is more political, and there's presidents and vice presidents, and and governors and congressmen. Like we have a a government system set up, but we don't really have a kingdom uh, monarchy or something over us that rules us like they would in certain places in the world or in the rest of history. But this kingdom language is super important because we don't think in kingdom terms. So what makes a king? Money, territory, powerful army, how many subjects they rule. I mean, I don't think that you'd be uh, a killer, awesome, world-famous king if you had like three people that were in your kingdom, right? How many people follow you and listen to you? Success in battle, right? Some of the greatest kings of all time were known for being uh, war heroes, right? They had this amazing success in battle. And then for some, it was just this inheritance, right? We look throughout history and we see that, that if you were born into the royal family, you were born a prince or a princess, and then you took over as king or queen because you inherited it. Here's the reality. Every single king that we know in history, from the least to the greatest, has died. They're all dead. And if they're living today, they're going to die one day. That's the reality. Every king loses a battle at some point. Every king will make a bad decision. Not Jesus. Not the king that you and I profess faith in. So, why I talk about kingdoms? Because we're all in the process of building a kingdom. That's what we're doing. We're all in the process of building a kingdom. The problem is, is that in that kingdom that we're building, for the most part, I think we want to be on the throne. Maybe I'll just speak for my own life. I think often, if I look at my life, if I look at the course of how I live, for the most part, the kingdom that I spend the most time, effort, energy, money on is my own. And that's why Adam and Eve decided to choose disobedience a piece of fruit over what God had given them. Because they thought there was a chance to have their own kingdom. To be the one sitting on the throne. I know it's one of my biggest wrestles, right? Is this wrestle where I want to be my own king and And if you disagree with that, well, let's do a little test. Litmus test. Here we go. When you speak, do you desire people to listen? At work? Any of you have a job where you're, uh, you know, telling people around you, hey, I need you to do this, right? Get this done, right? And nobody listens to you? How does that make you feel? Moms? (laughs) Dads? Right? How many times, like, do you have to tell, hey, can you go clean your room? Yeah, sure. And then they go. Well, first off, they don't say, yeah, sure. Um, But after, like, the 20th time, they'll say, okay, fine, (sighs) right? And then they go, about 20 minutes later, you just happen to be passing their room. Does, like, the blood start to boil, right? Do you get that pain right here, just me, right, where you're like, what were you doing for the past 20 minutes, right? Oh, I forgot. (laughs) Do you desire people to listen to you? Um, What about you kids? Kids, if you're in the room? you desire your parents to listen to you? Right? My, uh, my three-year-old, what she started doing, um, we have a chaotic home for the most part. We have four little kids, um, and there's a lot of noise in our house. And so sometimes you just kind of tune out the daddy, 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 daddy. Um, so my three-year-old started saying, look at my eyes. Like, so she'd be like, daddy, dad, 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 look at my eyes. Right? So that way she knows I'm listening, right? Because we teach them that they they listen also with their eyes, not just their ears. Right? So we desire people to listen to us. Do you ever desire to be served? You're like, no, not really. Well, you ever go to a restaurant and get the wrong order? Do you ever, you know, start to like, does that ruin your night? You got to send it back or you're like, oh, seriously? I told her no onions and there's onions. Right? Um. You desire nice things. Who in the last I don't know, say year, has spent over five dollars on a cup of coffee? Let me rephrase: a latte. Anybody ever buy a pair of shoes that's over fifty bucks? How many of us have a smartphone in our pocket? Just walking around with a thousand bucks right there. I have no money. I've got an iPhone. You know, the average income in the world is about $10,000 a person across the 7 billion people if you averaged out. And that's with the really, really wealthy also to those that only make a dollar a day. But the average is about $10,000. So some of us in the morning will get up and start 7 years' worth of income for most people. Just sitting in it. Go from point A to point B. Now, I'm not trying to make us feel bad about anything, but what I want us to understand is that we are kingdom builders and we build our own kingdom and we focus on our own kingdom. But there, there's this story that we see in Scripture about a man named John. Most know him as John the Baptist. And his story was very polar different to the American narrative. His story was a story that focused on somebody else, not himself. Why? Because we, we live in a selfie world. You know what a selfie is? Right? For some of you that may not know, it's when you take your camera and you point it at yourself. right? There's a lot of people in our culture that will go to some of the most beautiful places in the world and they won't take pictures of the things that they're looking at, but they'll put their self in the frame. That's how we live our lives, in a selfie world where everything revolves around us and our face has to be in everything. Here's what the Bible says about that. James, Jesus' half-brother, says life is but a vapor. Matthew, one of the disciples of Jesus, says all of the treasure that you accumulate, moth and rust, will destroy it. Paul in 2 Corinthians 4.16 says our bodies are wasting away. Anybody feel that? Right? When when, when you're in your 20s, 20-year-old table, You have all these old people telling you, right? They say, oh, when you get older, one day your body's going to hurt. This is going to hurt, right? And then you're like, okay, 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 okay. And then you start getting older. And then things start hurting. And then you're all looking at me. Some of you are looking at me and you're like, you don't even know. But that's... But what does Paul say? That our bodies are wasting away. None of us are promised tomorrow. Yesterday... Uh, we got to spend some time with with one of Lauren's uncles who is diagnosed with stage four cancer. One of the most heartbreaking things is to hear how he's just living another day, just waiting for the day that he doesn't wake up. They they told him 16 months. He's I think at like 20 months now. And you just hear his his heartbreak, but also at the same time he's just living to to. Soak it all in. And how often do we not live in light of the fact that we're not promised tomorrow? That we just think that another day is going to happen, another day is going to come. So we take for granted relationships and people. We take for granted the blessings that the Lord has given us, and we focus totally on the bad circumstances and the bad things that are happening to us. Why? Because we're kingdom builders of ourselves. But here's John's story. If you have a Bible, John 1. It's about a little past halfway, one of the four Gospels. John chapter 1, starting in verse 19, it says this. And this is the testimony of John. Right there. Here's a story that John is telling with his life, how he lives, even with his words. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed. And he did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us, to our authority, our kings. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, his strap." The strap of those whose sandal I am not worthy, unworthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him. This is the story and the testimony of John. He sees a man named Jesus. He spent his entire life pointing people to Jesus. So today, what I really want us to see is the testimony and the story of a man named John. How he realized and recognized that he wasn't on earth to build his own kingdom, but he was here to build the kingdom of someone else someone greater, someone eternal. So here's the first thing we see. John knew that his mission was to point people to Jesus. You can't point people to Jesus if you want the spotlight, if you want the credit. John knew that his story was all about pointing people to Jesus. I love how the NLT actually paraphrases verse 27. It says, Though his ministry follows mine, I am not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. At this point there are actually what was seen in history droves of people coming out to John. So here's a man who is um we could even say that he would probably be a modern day evangelist or pastor out somewhere outside of town. a body of water and there are people going from the town where they had a group of religious leaders called the Pharisees and the Sadducees that um, wanted to build their own kingdom and they wanted to have the biggest church in the area and these people are leaving the city going to this man out here and there's already like that's already causing a stir right so if you can picture this there's the mega church in town we don't say any names right but there's I want you to picture a town there's the mega church in town and they want to continue to grow this mega church and their names and they want to write books and they want to sell things. And all of a sudden their people start leaving and going out of town to this outside church. And there's a man out there that are putting people and dunking people in the water talking about a coming Messiah. And they're now going and questioning him and sending people a question saying, who are you? What are you doing? Because they're frustrated and upset that people are leaving them and not going to them but thinking i going to him. And what's John's response? Hey, I'm starting a new work. I'm doing something different, right? You're meeting in buildings, but I'm going to put up a tent. We're going to meet in homes. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. No, what does John say? He says, hey, this isn't about me. No, I'm not the Christ. No, I'm not a prophet. No, I'm not Elijah. What is he saying? He's saying, like, I'm merely here to tell you the story of someone else. And then they see Jesus. He's walking up. And John goes, oh, everybody, stop what you're doing. I know you're coming to me, but everything I'm talking about is about him right there. He's the Christ. He is Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is the one sent from God. Go to him. He's why I am putting people in the water to cleanse people from their sin. He is the one that promises eternal life. One day I'm going to die, and that's going to do nothing for you. But guess what? One day he's going to die, and that's going to give you life eternally. So, this is the good news of the gospel. So John knew that his mission was to point people to Jesus. Not to build his own ministry, not to build a kingdom. So John knew that his mission was to build God's kingdom. You can't build God's kingdom if you are focused on your own kingdom. Now, I know that in theory, that sounds good. I know that's something that we could probably write down. Maybe put on a t-shirt. Maybe we should get some t-shirts made, right? You can't build your own kingdom. It's another thing to live in. So often, without even knowing it, we get so internally focused that everything becomes about me. Me, 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 me. Why do I get angry at my kids? Because they inconvenience me. Why do I argue with my wife? Because she may have a different opinion than me. Why do I, uh, when, when a business transaction goes south, why do I have 50 reasons why the other person was at fault and zero reasons why I was? Why, when I find myself in a really, really bad spot, do I blame everybody else in the world? Right, well, it's because this person did this and this person did this. And well, my mom. And then you don't know my dad growing up. Now granted, some of us have experienced some really horrific things. And I don't want to belittle that. I don't want to belittle the fact that, that there has been abuse and hurt and pain. I don't want to belittle the fact that some of you have been in really difficult marriages. I don't want to belittle the fact some of you have a really different childhood, really difficult childhoods. I don't want to belittle that. But very often we focus so much on other people and external things and what they did to us because we don't want to take ownership of what we have done. So often we are so self-focused and we're trying to build our own kingdoms that we forget that we do not exist for ourselves. That's the last thing we see here with John. John knew that his mission was to lay down his life to fulfill God's mission. That's probably the most difficult thing that I have to say. Because that makes no sense in our culture. That makes no sense in this day and age where everything is about building my own life and my own world and my own kingdom. To say that you're, to say I'm a Christian means that I've laid down my life, that I no longer exist. You know, Matthew 14, John stands up for the gospel, calls out a leader for living a life that he shouldn't be living. And that leader has him beheaded, takes John's life, done. For any of us, we're not promised tomorrow. We can walk out these doors. and Something can happen to our lives. I mean, didn't, haven't we learned that in the past year and a half with COVID? Like COVID's not going anywhere and neither is disease. Like there's still cancer. There's still AIDS. There's still bad things in this world and there's going to be more. Why? Because this world is not our home. Our hope is not to, to build a kingdom here and live for all of eternity on earth because we have some magic pill that's going to promise us to live to 120. I guarantee you, when I get to about 90, I'm not going to want to, you know, live for the next 100 years. Why? Because of what Paul says our bodies are wasting away, and there's pain, and there is hurt. So we have to have hope in something else. If our hope is only in this life, we are hopeless. But if our hope is in eternity, if our hope is in what is eternal, then there's a reason to give our all and our story to something that is far greater than us. And so John knew that his mission was to lay down his life to fulfill God's mission. I think that's why in our culture it's so easy, and I think we should often celebrate those that are in our armed forces, our police officers, our firefighters, because it's not normal to lay down your life for somebody else. And so we celebrate those that do that in our culture. Now, that's outside of the church, too. I mean, I go into my gym, and there's a huge discount for those that served in the military, and there should be. Why? Because they have served our country well. Because they have gone out and given up their own wills and their own desires to fight for our freedoms. That's huge. But that's not the norm. That's why we call them heroes. And so, we have to understand that there is a war at hand. And it's not a war with COVID. And it's not a war with a different country. There is a spiritual war at hand. And there is an enemy that is looking to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are now in a war and in a battle that is fighting for your soul. Here's what Paul writes in Ephesians 6.12. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, not against COVID or other countries, but against rulers and authorities and powers of a dark world of a world that we don't necessarily see with our eyes. It's against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So what's his encouragement? Put on the full armor of God. You're not gonna arm up for battle if you're not going to war. (laughs) Like, I don't know if you've ever seen how much gear our military wears, how much gear a police officer wears that walks into Starbucks or Publix. Like, you don't just put that on in the morning for fun especially in Florida when it's 128 degrees. I got my car the other day. It was 117. I'm like, how is this even possible? We put on the full armor of God. How many of us wake up in the morning and don't don't start on our knees, don't open this and start putting on our armor because we fail to realize and recognize we're in a war? And if you don't profess faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're still in a war. You're just on the wrong side. The battle's already over. Jesus has already claimed the victory. We're waiting for him to return so that we can be united with him. It's like winning a gold medal, but not standing on the podium yet and having it in your hand. <laughs> so here's how our story relates to John's story. God invites us, every one, God invites us to enjoy his kingdom. Are you finding joy in God's kingdom right now? Are you finding joy in God's family right now? Because God invites you. I love when uh, John says, it's a part of his story, he says, um, I have not come to, to be basically the Savior, but he has come. Who comes? He says he comes after me, but he's been before me. So, John would have been older in age. John's ministry started before Jesus' ministry started. Yet he knew that this wasn't a normal man. He knew that, that in Genesis 1, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was that form and void, and God spoke. Right? The word of God spoke, and then everything came into existence. And then... John is writing in John one. He says the Word that God spoke became flesh and dwelt among us. John the Baptist knew that that Word that created all things was Jesus, and so he's saying, "Yeah, he may be starting his ministry after mine, and he may have been born after me. He came before me." And so, how is our story? John's story. God invites us to enjoy God's kingdom through the power of Jesus. And here's the second thing. God commands us to invite others into his kingdom. God commands us to invite others into his kingdom. This isn't optional. This isn't something we just, you know, decide to do when we want to do it. We have a purpose. We have a mission. And that purpose and that mission is to go and share good news of Jesus Christ with every man, woman, and child that we come in contact with. That's why we exist here on earth. That's why we're here. I want to end with a a picture in our minds. So, say you win a um, all-inclusive vacation to the Hilton and Playa del Carmen, Mexico, Cancun area. I've been there; it is gorgeous. There is this amazing hotel, and you walk in the front doors, and you get uh, this wristband. And this wristband is like your your ticket in, right? You get this wristband, and then you have full reign of this whole place. All you can eat, everything. I mean, there is. Uh, just all these, I mean, it's amazing. You can go get a latte, which seems for free. I know you paid for it, but it seems for free, right? You just walk up and get a latte. Do it five times a day if you want, right? It's not five bucks, five dollars, right? But, but imagine you win this, right? So it's been given to you. You get this wristband, you win this all-inclusive trip. So my wife and I, we go and we, we're in there and the owner of this Hilton comes over to us with this bundle of wristbands and hands them to us and says, there's a beach, right? At the forefront, it's a public beach, and there's a bunch of people there that don't have those wristbands. Now, at this specific hotel, um, you can go out to this beach. and It's a gorgeous beach, beach, but it's also a public beach. And so there's people that have wristbands and people that don't have wristbands. You can't get back into the hotel without your wristband, right? They check. And so he hands you this bundle, and you, he says, go out there and just give them to whoever wants them. Go out there and give them away and invite them to come and enjoy everything that this all-inclusive resort has to offer. And so you go. You go out there and you start handing them out. Now, can you force people to go in? Can you force people to believe that this is really a real wristband that they can get in with? No. Right? You hand it to them. You tell them how awesome it is. You give them the wristband. And then there's a response. Now, for those that do come in, do you then go back into the hotel and walk around like you own the place? And as people are like, hey, you know, like, yeah, you know, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, I did that. It's all about me, right? Right? Right, I was the one who passed out these wristbands and you're all here because of me. Do you do that? Or do you point to the one who gave you the bundle and ha- let you hand them out? See, too often in this world, I know it's a silly analogy, but too often I think we put so much weight and pressure and thought on our role in the process. We are called to give away something that we have been given. And that thing that we have been given is not because you've deserved it, not because you earned it, and not because you paid for it, God in his infinite mercy and grace gave you something called salvation. And he brought you from death to life. He said, you are now a child of God and you have been invited into the kingdom of God, which is an all-inclusive pass to eternity, if you will, where you can experience all the goodness and the pleasure of God himself. Don't don't worry about all the stuff. That's when we get to heaven, we're not going to be focused on streets of gold. We're not going to be looking around going, man, cool streets. No, the thing that we walk on and that potentially spit out our gum on is going to be the thing that lines the roads. The thing that we value most in this world. It's going to be insignificant. We're not going to be focused on the streets of gold. We're going to be focused on the one who is sitting on the throne. And so we have been given salvation by God, called and invited and adopted in relationship with him. And God says, go. Go out into all the world for those that are walking around that don't know that they are living in darkness and tell them the good news of Jesus. Tell them that I have come to seek and save the lost. And it doesn't matter their story and it doesn't matter their background and it doesn't matter what they have done or have not done. That I have invited them to know me love me and enjoy me and invite them the question is if you've been given that opportunity if you have been given salvation what are you doing with it are you coming to church every other Sunday and sitting down and listening to some good worship music and dropping a little bit maybe in the offering so that God okay God you know here I've checked my box and then walking out like you don't even know like You haven't experienced the goodness and the fullness of God? Or are you running out of these doors, going, everyone, listen, I have what is going to give you life. Here it is. Believers, Christians, I know that there's a separation of church and state. I know that we're fearful of what our job and our workplace are going to say. You have been given a story. You have been given life. And there are people in your lives that are dead, and they need Jesus. Don't let the world dictate who you share and don't share it with. Go, therefore, and make disciples. John was okay with saying, you know what? Whether I live or die, that doesn't matter. Paul, Peter, James, Andrew, all lost their lives. Why? because they had a story to tell. And they knew that they're, they had this wristband and they just had to get out into people's hands, go, 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 go. As many people as possible. And you've been invited to do the same. And so I know that for some of us who've been in church our whole lives, we're fearful of doing that. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm always wondering, like, is this the right opportunity? Is this not the right opportunity? Here's what I'd encourage you to do. Start praying. That's a great place to start. Start praying that the Lord would, one, help you understand your story, and then, two, give you confidence to share your story. And then, three, that he would begin to place people in your heart and your mind to give you opportunities to share that good news. When you pray about "Ask, seek, and knock, God will give. That's not prosperity gospel. That is the gospel. So you pray, Lord, give me opportunities today to share your good news and then go, therefore, and make disciples and share good news with every man, woman, child you come in contact with. as what we've been invited to do. If you're here today and you've never experienced the joy and the goodness of what it means to be in relationship with Jesus, I just want to invite you to experience that. I want you to know that God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And there's nothing bad you could have ever done to make God love you any less. There's nothing good you can do to make him love you more. You are loved all the same. God wants you. It doesn't matter what you bring to the table. He wants you. So if you have any more questions about that, come. Talk to me. Talk to Ben. Talk to any of our leaders. Um, We'd love to share that good news more with you. Can I pray for us? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much for this word. We thank you for the testimony of John. I know even as I read this, Lord, I um, have the thought and the feeling that I could never live up to this. And in and of, of myself, I know, God, I can't. But through the power of your Holy Spirit, which you promise to give to every single person that professes faith in you as their Lord and Savior, that your Holy Spirit will give us the power to go. And each one of us has people around us, a circle of influence that that you have given us, that you have placed specific people in our lives, whether they are family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, uh, schoolmates, teachers, that you have given us influence with. And so, God, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would ignite in us a passion, a desire, a willingness to go and share your story, to point people to you. Not to build our own kingdom, not to build the kingdom of FMCC, but to build your kingdom. God, we live in a world that is so hopeless. We live in a broken world, God, where people are sick, hurting and broken and poor, depressed, anxious. God, no matter where we come into this place today, we are fully loved by you. So God, right now I pray that we wouldn't be anxious about now having to go share your good news, but we would actually start by enjoying you more that we would start by knowing you more because we can't share what we do not know. So God, I pray that you would give us a passion and desire to know you more so that we can share your good news with every man, woman, and child that we come in contact with. God, we love you. We lift this up in your name. Amen.